Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watch List. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value. Joining me today is Elio D'Amato from Spotty TV and spotty.com.au. G'day, Elio. How's it going? Yeah, g'day, Phil. No, very well. A little sleep deprived with the Euros on at the moment, of course, but nonetheless, uh, what else are we going to do uh, with most of Australia being in lockdown? But it's great to be <laughs> here and to uh, talk about something which is, uh, you know, often uh, misconstrued and misunderstood, but it's so, you know, integral into the overall performance of our economy. Well, that's correct. And um, really, I've never really gone into REITs before, but uh, today we're going to be talking about Charter Hall ASX code CLW. Charter Hall is what's known as a real estate investment trust, also a REIT. So tell us about what a REIT is. And our country has had a long history with REITs, hasn't it? Yeah, well, as you've said, uh, basically uh, a REIT is, well, effectively, unlike you going out and buying a property yourself or finding a property manager to you know manage your millions of dollars, you can actually go and invest in the trust on the stock market. So instead of committing that, you know, all that capital and also committing to a lifetime of debt, you can go out and buy a portion of a trust, uh, which gives you a proportionary ownership over a portfolio of uh, properties from office space, industrial, uh, retail. You also get storage centres, you can get farmland, a whole range of different assets. Basically, if it stands and does nothing but generates an income, you can slap a trust on it. So uh, effectively, I like to think of REITs as a bit of the, the Switzerland of the share market because, you know, normally us stock investors are anti-bricks and mortar. Well, we can happily play alongside Australia's insatiable thirst for land equity, which has always been very, very strong. And that's recognised globally as well, particularly where, for example, Standard & Poor's, well, they introduced a REIT category or real estate category uh, only in 2016 for the world. But little old Australia has actually had one done by Standard & Poor's Well, we've had it for over two decades now, and that was in recognition of the fact that in Australia, we have strong dynamics towards property and investors like it very much. So they were looking after us before they decided to share it with the rest of the world. So yeah, obviously, uh, the thing that makes them or sets them apart, as it were, is that you can see them, you can touch them, you can almost feel them, and you can cheer them on because generally, if they're doing well, so is our economy. And so this is an example of another asset class. I mean, even though they do trade on the share market, it's a different kind of asset, isn't it, that um, people should consider in their portfolio? It's one of the misconceptions of share market investing, Phil, that you're only going into the share market to bet on three-letter codes that go up and down for random reasons. Ultimately, if you look a little closer into the share market, there's a range of different investment vehicles there. And I know you're a big fan of ETFs, for example whereby they actually do provide investors exposure to different sectors, different assets, different ways to construct their portfolio relative to their tolerance to risk uh, and their appetite to achieve possible capital growth. And yes, property is exactly one of those. Uh, Of course, you could go to the manager directly and invest in a fund that they run, like a traditional managed fund, as it were, 
REITs offer the flexibility of you being able to get in and out at a very quick time frame without all the paperwork, of course, because you already did that when you signed up for your broker in the first place. So it's got a long history, this company, Charter Hall. How long has it been around for? Yeah, well, it's been around since uh, 2005, actually, and it was a great time to be alive as a property investor. I mean, money was easy to make. <laughs> For a year or so. <laughs> yeah, well, you were able to you know, sell your own sibling to get beach frontage. Uh, debt to asset ratios didn't ma- matter. Hell, in the US, you didn't even need a job or assets to buy property. I mean, they were the glory days of stocks like Babcock and Brown. I'm thinking uh, Centro here, Rubicon, the Macquarie DDR Trust. And look, you know, it's a roll call more glamorous than the cast of marriage at a first size, to be honest with you. Real champagne comedy. Look, for those of us that live to, you know, tell the tale as it were, um, you know, we've seen a tumultuous time when it comes to uh, property markets, particularly um, as you were sort of alluding to in that lead up to the GFC, because there's been some high profile disasters which caused many investors to stay away from the sector for quite some time. But then, you know, with a little bit of Dutch courage, they ended up stepping back. And in fact, it's been one of our stronger performing sectors uh, broadly. And you don't just need to read the newspaper every day to hear about property prices to convince you of that. You've seen the strength of our economy and uh, real estate trusts are often reflective of that underlying strength. So how did Charter Hall do after the GFC? In fact, how did Charter Hall do during the GFC? Were they a little bit immune to the market movements or did they just go down with everyone else? Oh, no, unfortunately, no one's uh, strong enough to stand against Mr. Market, Phil. They had a pretty much a roller coaster ride. I mean, they were trading at a high of around $12 back in 2007 and they fell to $0.60 cents by the time February 2009 came around. Now, The thing is, though, they did have a far more conservative balance sheet, so they didn't have to do heavy dilutive capital raisings like GPT, for example, whose price is still kilometres away from where it was leading up to the GFC, whereas Charter Hall, they did things a little bit differently. They uh, were quite conservative. They didn't overgear. And basically, when everyone crept out of their bunkers, they were there standing. You know, after Armageddon, Phil, you can choose whatever penthouse you want. Um, (laughs) And really, uh, Charter Hall did that. They're now actually Australia's second biggest property or have Australia's second biggest property portfolio behind Goodman Group. Their price is now $15.30, well and truly above where that was, plus all the distributions as well. Uh, The company's actually returned 30%. Uh, per year for the last five years. Um, Now, that's not including the GFC uh, lows either. So if you go all the way back there, it's been a stellar run. Um, But things have stabilised. I think it's important to note here, and and this is where our discussions are going to go, that they've gone beyond what they were. So they were initially a REIT, but then they started to grow and they became a bit of a fund manager as well. So not only do they have their own property portfolio, but they started to have some spin-off funds like Charter Hall Office, uh, Charter Hall Social Infrastructure, the old Folkestone, which I'm also a really big fan of. But today, I'd really like to talk about one in particular that I know is also aligned to a theme you're really interested in, and that's Charter Hall Long Whale. Yeah, that's an interesting name, isn't it? It's a very long name. <laughs> What's it mean? <laughs> uh, look, the, the bit no one understands really is the whale bit. Um, no, it's not the kind that you get on Sea Shepherd trying to protect uh, whales from the Japanese. Rather, whale is spelt W-A-L-E, which means weighted average lease expiry. Um, or the average length, really, effectively, the current tenants uh, in the properties have their left to stay. So, for example, when you rent a property yourself, you get a lease for six to 12 months. In the instance of uh, Charter Hall Long Whale, well, they want to hold properties where that time to uh, expire of the lease is longer than the industry average. But we'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. Okay. So um, what type of properties do they own and where are those properties across Australia? 
Well, they're a diversified uh, REIT. They've got uh, industrial properties, which make up about a quarter, and then another quarter and quarter odd in regards to office space and retail. They also have uh, telecommunication exchanges, and they've also got agri-logistics businesses, very much that where the rail hits the farm, hits the road type of place. Let's just talk a bit about that. There's sweet spots for logistics companies where rail meets uh, the ports, meets the, um, the roads and close to markets as well. Obviously, most of us, when we see companies, see the front end side of things. We get caught up in the marketing messages and we go out, we buy the product, we taste it, we see it and all those sorts of things. But in reality, much like an ant farm, when you dig a little bit deeper, there's millions of other little bits and pieces running around and floating around that need to work in order for us to get uh, the food on the table, as it were, or our products uh, into our stores. And, you know, the likes of someone like a charter hall, long whale, as well as a number of other industrial REITs are playing an integral role in that regard. The storage facilities are absolutely immense. The rise of online shopping has been phenomenal and will only increase in terms of demand. In fact, you know, you look at Charter Hall Long Whale, they've currently got a portfolio of some $5 billion, uh, most of that in New South Wales. They've got on hand, their book is currently sitting at another $5 billion worth of properties that come online, most of that in New South Wales. Uh, and Victoria. So they're definitely where the action's at, which is quite exciting. And obviously, because of this way the world's changed in its consumption and behaviours, they also stand to benefit. But that said, they've also still got some of the old world there. So the office space, the retail space, notwithstanding the demand might flatline, that diversification gives them a bit more security. So from an investor's perspective, you don't have to drop $1 million into a one type of property and hope that works. Just by taking an allocation in a, in, in a stock like this or a REIT, you're getting this natural exposure across the board. So just like a footy team, when someone's not playing so well, hopefully the other players do better and then vice versa when the others need a bit of a spell. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Some of these logistic companies, the robotics inside of them are actually worth more than the building itself. And, you know, they're picking things. I think I was listening about um, one particular company. You put your online order in and the robots are grabbing it off the shelves and they've got it on the mail desk within three minutes. That's the way things are moving these days. Yeah, it is. And obviously, I mean, a broader topic is in regards to what's happening to unskilled labour here in Australia and what we have available for uh, people getting jobs. But that's a whole Uh, topic for another day. But you're right. I mean, the automation of not just things like warehouses, but you've got mining sites where we've got autonomous trucks driving uh, back and forward with regards to all this multi-million dollars worth of minerals on their back. It's only going to increase. It's not going to diminish. But obviously, they need to be housed somewhere. And the beauty of someone like a REIT is that it's not cognizant on the company being successful or going out and inventing the next cure for cancer. They're effectively just providing the means for a company to go and do that. Now, whilst that does limit your upside somewhat in the sense that you're not going to get that huge gain, effectively taking a clip of the ticket through rent is actually quite an effective means of generating a sufficient income 
over the over the long term, particularly with interest rates where they are at the moment. And uh, REITs are very competitive these days, or the companies that comprise REITs are very competitive in the office spaces as well, because tenants are much more demanding for sustainability, uh, good quality air, good quality uh, environment to be in. So they've actually got to deliver that to get the the top quality clients that um, we really want to get um, invested in. And the beautiful thing is, Phil, that a lot of these larger REITs, now obviously, as with any industry, there's rats and mice and there'll be those that are lagging behind. But when you're talking about the big quality guys, much like um, you know a charter hall long while, they're already on the front foot. They've got five-star offices already. You look at their, any presentation they have. It's a key focus of information that they're putting forward. I mean, these people are ahead of the curve. They're, they're an industry standard and everyone's trying to be like them. But it's not necessarily... Um, anything driven other than by consumers and businesses' uh, needs and preferences and how that's been evolving and changing over the years. And yes, it it was a case of snooze you lose, but that's not here with uh, Charter Hall. They've definitely been on the front foot. So what are the metrics you use to analyse a REIT? Well, look, the good news is if you want to get in the world of REITs, it's actually quite easy in order to be able to analyse. And often when we used to have the junior analysts, we would put them onto this sector in order to help them cut their teeth Uh, with regards to it. Now, the key elements that you're looking for are, one, you're looking at the amount of debt that the REIT is carrying and the structure of that debt. Uh, Two, you're looking at that whale, the weighted average lease expiry. That's another important number. The third is the net asset value, so how much those properties are actually worth. And then, of course, fourth, and the, the one that excites most investors, and that's the distribution. So, I mean, look, when we look at Charter Hall Long Whale, there's some things to really like about it. The first is that gearing and its structure. And, you know, it's only got gearing at a little over 30%. I mean, all REITs carry gearing. You can't um, find a REIT without debt. I mean, at the end of the day, otherwise they'd just be like you and me buying our first home and um, having all that debt. So these guys have got a little bit of debt. And what they do is they use that to leverage off and get better properties. Uh, The average term of that debt is 5.6 years, which means even if, for example, um, we have a COVID event and everything shuts down. They're able to extend that beyond there and have that support, and they're not going to be called on paying that immediately. Uh, they recently actually raised $200 million for eight years uh, in order to buy some uh, further assets. We'll talk about them uh, in a moment. Uh, whale, that's a real interesting one. Um, it's really impressive. I mean, it's over 13 years with the average rental review being uh, per year about 2.3%. So they've got long-term contracts locked in, paying um, you know, paying them rent that is expected to continually increase over the period. And then you've got net asset value. So what are the assets uh, worth on a per share basis? Now, this is as technical as I need to get, Phil. Basically, what we look at here is the size of the assets, so the value of the properties, less any debt or the money that it owes, and we divide that by the number of units that are on issue. Now, in the case of CLW, that's currently $4.60. Now, the price of the uh, unit or the REIT is $4.80. So you're paying a 4% premium to play. Yeah, sure, you know what? Don't be stupid in regards to trying to, you know, pay too much for it. I mean, back in 2019, it was something like 20% more than its net asset value. That was probably a little bit rich. But you know what? In a quality business or a quality REIT like CLW, sometimes you've got to pay up to play. And they've always traded at a bit of a premium. So, To be honest with you, I think it's a pretty fair valuation sitting where it is right now. And like I said, because it's such quality, uh, I'm comfortable being in it. Uh, Last and certainly not least is that distribution. Uh, In their latest period, they recorded a 7.4 cent distribution uh, 
that was actually a record for the company. Uh, they pay every quarter, so they pay every three months, which differentiates them from a normal company where they pay it every six months. Uh, their current yield is sitting at 6.06%, and that is expected to lift. But uh, let me give you another insight about how good this trust is. Normally, when a trust pays a distribution, the price falls. So, for example, if I had a $10 trust and it paid $1, then the day after that distribution is not attached anymore, it tends to fall to $9. Now, in the case of CRW, on the day that they were ineligible for that record 7.4 cent distribution, the price actually finished up. That means people were willing to forego the distribution given its quality. Now, they could have bought it the day before, got the distribution, and even bought it cheaper. Now, that's a Hulk Hogan entrance. If I've ever seen one, uh, Phil, uh, very strong uh, indication as to how good that trust is. So with some of that debt that they raised, what was the recent acquisition that they made? Well, they bought a, a third of a big mainstay here in uh, Victoria, of course, Phil, uh, with the uh, Maya Burke Street building. They now own a third of that particular uh, site. They also bought a bunning centre out in Perth and a distribution centre in Queensland. So um, they're always actively looking at making their money work for them. They had a very strong property revaluation period this last 12 months, as most of the REITs across the sector did. Now, that gave them balance sheet strength that they were able to use, plus with interest rates still so low, as well as the fact that um, you know everyone's tripping over themselves to give them to quality businesses like a charter hall long whale to be able to use effectively. It was quite easy for them to uh, strike that uh, eight and a half year deal that they did at very reasonable rates. And it's good to see that they've put that money to work. And they even gave the first guidance of 2022, where they said that they expected their underlying earnings to rise a little bit on the previous year, some 4.5%. Now, not huge, but that's just the world of REITs for you. But that said, great to see them come out with such confidence so early in the game. So are there any risks, Elio, that we can uh, identify? Always got to look at the risks. Oh, well, there's always risks investing in this game, and uh, there's really uh, only uh, two that investors need to uh, really seriously worry about. Of course, there are the risk that the building might blow up or that rolling lockdowns cause, you know, our economy to turn into a, you know, a Sunday farmer's market in Mogadishu or something like that. But really, the, in reality, the two are one gearing, the debt. Okay, you've got to always be wary of any REIT that has gearing above 40%. Now, Charter Hall only has it around the 30 mark and at current valuations, that's okay. But the risk is, Phil, is that say there's a major event that causes property values to plummet, geez, I can't imagine what that might be. But anyway, nonetheless, if something occurs where these property values uh, fall, then the way gearing works is that debt becomes a larger proportion of the uh, calculation, which means, you know, relative to the assets, assets come down, then effectively your gearing rate goes up. Now, that might mean then it goes above the 40 or 50. And then if something else happens, it can actually be disastrous, which, as I was alluding to earlier in 2007, was the case. And that leads to the second risk, and that is interest rates. Okay, Now, I don't know if you've heard, Phil, but there's been whispers in the halls of Canberra and Wall Street saying inflation. Transitory, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tune into that episode that you talk about transitory uh, inflation so I can figure out what it is, to be honest with you. But nonetheless... Why is that a problem for REITs? Well, first, REITs, as I mentioned earlier, all of them carry debt. So interest rates go up. That means the cost of funding the business goes up, which means distributions go down a little. But the other reason why rising interest rates are a bit of a risk 
is because effectively they get transposed into newly issued bonds. So when the government continues to print money, as it's been doing incessantly, then those bonds carry a coupon rate or an interest rate, as it were. Now, in a rational risk-reward relationship world, uh, when the interest rate of bonds goes up, the current interest rate a REIT pays to investors becomes less attractive. Now, the reason why it does this is a phenomenon known as the bond proxy phenomenon, where if bonds become more appealing than other assets, then those other assets will suffer because in the eyes of many, uh, and REITs unfortunately is perceived as part of this, um, in the eyes of many, when bonds start paying higher interest rates to their investors, then other investments, which always carry more risk, become less attractive and they can then be um, sold off. And REITs have had that in the past where this bond proxy trade, as we call it, does impact short-term sentiment. But let's face it, rising interest rates mean your economy is doing well. When your economy is doing well, then anyone leveraged to that is going to do well. That includes things like the banks and it includes things like REITs. And especially when you've got a quality portfolio that isn't too heavily geared, like a um, charter hall long whale, then that's the type of place you want to be and the best way to help manage a risk like that. So do we need to disclose any ownership of uh, CLW stock? Uh, Phil, I don't talk about a stock that I don't own, but here's a warning, folks. I own a lot of stocks. I'm a bit of a stock hoarder. So, <laughs> But no, I very much like uh, Charter Hall Long Whale, and I think um, many income-seeking investors had already discovered it, but those who are younger that are a little more averse to, uh, to some of the more volatile types of stocks on the market, this might be one to consider um, if it suits your own personal preferences and, of course, tolerance to risk. Elia, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Oh, good on you, Phil. Thank you very much. Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.